Welcome to the Veiling Gallery Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail, and in this episode, we will be joining acclaimed British contemporary artist, Adam Chotsko, where he will be delving into the inner workings and inspiration behind his latest exhibition in Malaysia, entitled, But As We Looked, It Suddenly Began to Change, co-supported by the British Council. Without further ado, let's dive right into it. Hi Adam. Hi Mick. Uh, I'm here to talk about your latest exhibition here in Wailing Gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's begin with three questions. Please tell us more about the genesis of this exhibition in Malaysia. How did your project come about? It's a good question and it's got a little bit of a sort of complex answer, which is that it comes from way back, probably partly from when I was a child and I used to have incredibly sort of strong dreams and nightmares and to the point where I avoid going to sleep because this nighttime activity, this nighttime sort of spectacle um, was sort of way more powerful than the quite kind of banal, ordinary (laughs) things that were going on in sort of 19, late 60s and early 70s and actually late 70s because it carried on through my sort of teenage years. So partly it's me now trying to kind of connect with that part of my life um, and also to do with, you know, what happens in the unconscious, what happens in when we're dreaming. And interestingly, the, in terms of its relationship to art, surrealism, of course, like Western European, but surrealism all over the place, um, was a time when art really tried to ca- capture the unconscious and capture dream imagery and stuff. I actually don't like most uh, surrealist art. There's a few artists, um, Maya Deren, uh, Leonore Carrington, interesting, they're all, they're all female, Ithel Kolkoen, who I think made really interesting work, but like Salvador Dali, Max Dernst, I just, um, one of my least favorite artists, Paul Delvo, I just find the work very kind of cheesy and literal in its depiction of kind of dream imagery. Um, so yeah, this is definitely not a sort of reclaiming of uh, surrealism. But I'm interested in it for all kinds of reasons. So partly because of recent neuroscience into what's happening when we sleep. And the interest in sleep has been a really big subject because everyone feels that capitalism and labor and the amount that we're meant to be communicating with each other and working. You know, weekends don't exist anymore. You work late into the night, all of that, that sleep is being erased. And when we're really exhausted, it becomes really difficult to use our imaginations because imagination requires a certain amount of mental energy. And I think at this moment in time, in terms of all the existential crises around us, political, economic, um, the environmental crisis, we need to be exercising our imaginations as much as possible to be able to come up collectively with ways of moving forward that are better. 
And yet, this coincides with a time when art, certainly in the uh, UK, is being kind of erased from school curriculums. It's seen as not being important because there's this urgency that everyone should do science, technology, engineering, and maths, even when scientists, mathematicians are saying, no, actually, we need you know, people who are studying these subjects to also be doing creative subjects because we need people to make creative leaps in math mathematics and engineering and science. So there's a kind of, th this is, th 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 going back to the subject of dreaming, dreaming is this thing that everyone does. We don't necessarily remember that we're doing it, um, but only very few people don't dream at all, and that's to do with some sort of uh, brain injury. Um, so we're all producing this incredibly imaginative very absurd, very irrational material, this content, every night. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're a sort of, you know, five-year-old child or a 95-year-old person who has a disability. Um, there's a sense in which this generation of very, very extraordinary material and a move between different bits of knowledge, different bits of memory is happening in the mind every night. So it's going on there. Um, and there, so I'm sort of interested in tapping into that potential. So back in the UK, <laughs> I'm working on a project which I'm just about to start, which is using AI, artificial intelligence, to use to turn a community's dream descriptions into visual animations. So the idea is we're going to develop an app and people from a community not far from where I live in Kent will be encouraged to submit their dreams from the previous night, which then will become visualized. So there's something very important for me about this thing which is held in the head, then becoming externalized into visual material. And I was asking around as part of the research for this, because I think the British, in terms of what I've looked in terms of academic studies of dreaming, are one of the least interested in it as a subject. And also, it's not really talked about. People are very kind of awkward about discussing it. So a lot of other cultures are better. Um, and I got in touch with an academic. She's a psychological anthropologist based in the States. And I said to her, of all her understanding of kind of global cultures in relation to dreaming, who do you think is, has the best, the healthiest relationship between what we dream and what we then do with that dreaming in the everyday? And she said, Malaysia, and particularly the Orang Asli people, the Senoi. And so then I began researching all of that, and I found out that there was a lot of anthrop anthropological work from the um, right going back to the sort of early 20th century, from the particularly from the 30s through to the 50s, who were coming over to Malaysia, uh, working with the Senoi, and were really interested in you know, lots of different aspects of their culture. But one was how they turned dreaming into um, decisions on where to hunt, when to plant, how to solve kind of social problems within the community. And this in the 70s became really caught on in America, particularly in California, as part of the sort of expanded consciousness movement, the countercultural movement of the 60s. And there were um, 
classes where you could go to learn Senoi dream theory. So amazingly, this um, indigenous community in Malaysia, that knowledge was being kind of channeled into ways that people particularly were sort of interested in whether they could control their dreams. So that kind of suddenly led me to kind of focus on Malaysia and Malaysian culture and wondering whether there's a legacy of this dreaming and being able to kind of dream patterns into weaving and dream music into, you know, and a lot of the dreaming um, in Oring, Oring Asli uh, indigenous communities is seen as coming from nature, it's coming from ancestors, it's coming from nature, and then it's being channeled into particular forms. So, yeah, I'm here to research this and talk to a number of artists and thinkers and anthropologists and um, just sort of anyone really to uh, then transcribe a series of interviews, which is me trying to kind of work out what is the legacy of this? How much is what you, you know, if you're an art, a Malaysian artist, how much is what you dream at night then being used in terms of your creativity during the day? And so almost as a, as a sort of anchor for this um, project, which is being supported by the British Council, um, I'm collaborating with Wayland Contemporary. And so the idea was to bring together a group of works. So in a way, all my work is structured around dreaming in the sense that there's a sort of irrational logic to how things go together. Um, but <clears throat> I decided to bring, you know, we, uh, Wailing and I decided to, that we would, I would do an exhibition here. I would use selected works from the past, recent past, to do with sleep and dreaming, but also to make new works which one is a process-based work I'm making during the course of the exhibition. Another one is a work I made just a few days beforehand. Another one I made using an archive of uh, imagery from Kuala Lumpur from the 60s through to the 80s, um, which I made about a month before. So it's very recent work and then some sort of older work to contextualize it, but all within the idea of it being this kind of base of dreaming to then begin to do the other research because I'm here until the end of June. Thank you.